welcome to Mostly Max. And other things, I am the aforementioned Max. Welcome to another week of this shit here. I hope all of you are continuing to stay healthy and taking care of yourselves. I ain't gonna hold y'all because it's late. It feels like it's four o'clock in the morning, but it's really like almost 9.30 p.m. And I'm tired. And I've been dealing with tech nonsense for hours, but I'm ready and I'm back and I'm going <laughs> to, we're going to get into it. <laughs> but shout out to this new MacBook though. <laughs> so, so my tech game has been uh, settled up and hopefully, knock on wood, there'll be no more nonsense, but who knows? Anyway, let's get into it. In good news... Britney is free. She was released from her 13, almost 14 year conservatorship. Um, and um, she's so cute. Her energy is so much different on Insta now. And, you know, she'd been talking her shit since before the the hammer came down on the uh, grubby, uh, self-dealing ass bitches in her family kicking off of her and eating off of her for all these years, including her trash-ass mama, whose idea it was for the conservatorship in the first place, by the way. So, yeah, trash. But she's happy. She's getting married. She's talking about having another baby, maybe a girl. Um, it's nice. It looks like the light came back into her face. I'm happy for her. I hope that this turns into a thing where all them cats in the Free Britney movement um, take the same energy and put it into getting people who are not rich and white out from underneath this type of shit. Because if this is what could happen to her, you already know what's happening to broke folks. So good for her, good for them. She got a clean house, though. Every single person who was involved in that shit got to get seen. You know what I mean? From her mama, her sister... Her, her daddy for sure. She, she got to get him out the paint before he kicks. Because they haven't even turned over any financial records. So you can see the grift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's about... I hope she makes it hot for them. I really do. But I'm glad for her. I hope the dude she's settling down with is about something. Because, you know, she's been there before. And I hope she's um, uh, getting everything that she wants. And in other news sentient bag of shit alex jones has lost his fourth defamation suit that was filed by the families of the children and adults who were killed at sandy hook um i don't know how long ago was that now it was a while i feel like it was like 2014 maybe anyway his bitch ass um ended up taking an l again because he refused to provide discovery information to the families as to whether or not all that shit he was talking about what happened to the people at Sandy Hook uh, made him money. Because, you know, he was saying it was a false flag operation, all that early stage, um, you know, conspiracy ass bullshit saying that they were crisis actors and all this fucking bullshit and going up there and talking out of both sides of his neck and everything. And, you know, he didn't, he just didn't respond. So they got a default judgment against him. And now the court just has to decide just how much he going to have to come, come up off of. 
I hope they they decimate him, to be honest. Like, imagine being such a sack of shit that you would further victimize people who have been victimized in the worst way, where they lost their babies, they lost their people who were trying to protect those babies, and your chunky monkey ass come up talking some stupid shit so you can move gold bars and whatever, you know dick growing cream that they claim will do the trick and make the girls date you that this little fatty was moving anyway i hope they clear him for everything i hope they take everything i mean house i want that boy living in the street i want him to suffer the way those families suffered and that they continue to suffer because of his fucking bullshit so he can suck my dick and fuck him moving on (laughs) The uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse case is still going on. The kid that uh, called himself going down to Kenosha to, uh, what did he say? He said he was going down there. First of all, his mama drove him down there. That's the thing they don't ever mention. And also, also, I found out today that his mom's, not today, but like, you know, I was today year, years old. When I found out that his mama, who looks like a worn shoe, is 38 years old. 38 look rough when you really raise a waste man and you're a waste of, of space yourself. But anyway, the judge in the case threw out his gun charge. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Threw out the gun charge? The gun charge. The one where he took himself down there, called himself being the fake police or whatever. Because, you know, he, he... I don't know. He got taken in by copaganda or he was just a fucking roach let's just say that he's just a fucking roach anyway he went down there with a long gun and blasted two three people killed two and the judge threw out that charge against him the same one that's in the can for him um saying that there's no law on the books in kenosha that says you can't have (laughs) You can't have a long gun. Like, I think the kid used like an AK or something on them folk. I I just, anyway, we we see how it's going. Anyway, the, the, judge, the judge let that cook. And apparently there's a thing that they do there where they use like one of those like bingo drums to pull the names of the jurors who get to deliberate this kid's fate. I think they pick like six or something. He let the kid pull the names from out of the the spinny drum thing and and there's pictures of it and it looked like like man's was about to call bingo anyway pulled the names the one and only person of color uh on the jury made the cut go figure the jury's been deliberating i think for like two days now i'm surprised actually because the fix is in i feel like it don't even matter what the jury comes back with the judge is going to be like, nah, that shit's not what I wanted. We going to let him go home. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it don't matter what they say. The judge is going to let that kid walk, no matter what happens. And everybody should be prepared for that. And in fuck around and find out news, that dickhole who ran up into the Capitol dressed like Bullwinkle and Rocky, um, the QAnon shaman, well, he was... Uh, sent to the Bing for 41 months for his fucking bullshit. The judge 
let old boy know that he was not with the shits. And in response, old boy, who remember the guy, he was asking for organic food and shit when he first went to jail and they gave it to him. Anyway, he says, I admit to the world I was wrong. I have no excuses. My behavior was indefensible. He said, this is the direct quote, obviously, from um, NBC News. He added that he was not a dangerous criminal. I am not a violent man or a white supremacist. I am truly repentant. And he says that he suffers from a personality disorder and is on the autism spectrum. Mind you, man's them had the wellworthal because apparently he had mad followers. I think he had like 400,000 followers or some shit. He was talking cash shit on the lead up to that. He was within his right mind then and all that other fucking bullshit. Anyway, all this to say, him, that ableist ass bullshit that he tried, and everybody else involved in that shit, suck my dick from the back. That's what I think about that. And uh, that's really it for this week's uh, shit that I be talking about. (laughs) Anyway, this week on the podcast, I got to chop it up with like literally like the kindest, coolest person ever. I got to chalk it up with Guy Rute, who is like the boss of this like hip hop thing. Like who he's like he's like hip hop forks Forrest Gump. Like he started out just kind of being around legendary um hip hop artists like the Force MCs and like um Meth and Nam, because he's from Staten Island. And he just kind of was like you know, like that little fly, that little, that little, um, that feather in the movie just kind of floating around, but like floating around making deals and changing lives, that kind of thing. And just doing interesting work and like just kind of telling me, like, it was just cool. Like, he's just cool. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm standing a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Anywho's there, we got to sit down and talk about, um, how he got where he got to and what's next. And, He's dropping gems, guys. Like, I'd take notes. I'm just saying. I would just take notes. Any who's there. I had a wonderful time talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's coming up in two seconds. Today on the podcast, I have a longtime lover of Black music who has turned that love into an amazing career. He has helped craft deals and shaped careers of artists like Pharaoh Manch, his hometown SI protege, <laughs> Shaheem, actor-rapper Shaheem, the funk outfit, the family stand, living color frontman, and one of the finest voices in rock and roll, Corey Glover, R&B group Goodfellas, and songbird Sarah Devine, who he happened to get signed to Columbia Records there. He served as senior A&R consultant for super talents like Raphael Sadiq. He was the music supervisor for one of my absolute favorite movies, The 40-Year-Old Version, for which he received a Black Reel nomination for Best Score. He is also the CEO of Schematics. That's right, Schematics? I got it. Very good. Schematics, a multimedia firm with one goal, to rebuild and innovate the narrative for the religion and culture that is hip-hop told from an unapologetically black lens. And he's basically a straight up boss and easily one of the kindest and coolest people that I've ever met. 
Welcome to the podcast, Guy Ruet. Rute. Rute. See how I be fucking people's names up? If I just Listen, ask questions. <laughs> you got it. You got it closer than most. Most people just call me Root. Oh, no. There <laughs> is a little French flag, Rute. Okay. Uh, not because of any, uh, you know, it's just slave it's master it. shit. It's, yeah. Slave. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you so need it. Well, actually, let me say this, that my... Um, father side of the family, I don't know a lot about, and they were all kind of, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it would be St. Martin, you know, Martinique, because sometimes it would be Dominican Republic. So mm-hmm. I don't really have a very clear understanding. The last time I spoke to my father recently, uh, he told me that his father's family is from Nova Scotia, and that's where oh. we got the name. So from a, you know, Canadian, Canadian, French Canadian type shit. So, Interesting. Huh. I'll take that. I'll right. take it and I'll run with it. But I don't, you know, because I, I haven't done the, the full history, I don't know. And thank you for that wonderful intro. That's last oh, like, you're welcome. I did that too? Word? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just means I'm old. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. My birthday's this month. I'm feeling every bit of it. Um, so let's get into it. Um, Please. Also, thank you so much for doing this. This is like wow. Yeah, this is fun. You know, I, it's funny. I I I was a latecomer to uh to the world of mostly Max, <laughs> and I don't know what how I tripped up on it. And I saw something that you posted, uh-huh. you know, in 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 a place that shall not be named. And uh-huh. uh, I was like, I didn't realize. You know, I I, I realize you're you're funny on uh, on on uh the book <laughs> of face and uh or meta. And, uh, oh, <laughs> and I, I enjoy I enjoy your perspective on things. So I said, "Oh, oh, let me just listen to this." And oh. I listened, and I was like, "You know, I'm 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 very ADD on podcasts. If you don't catch me right. quickly, I'm at it. I listened to the whole joint, and then I listened to another, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good. This is like exactly when I'm on a treadmill or when I'm driving or something." Exactly. Oh, what I love is. that. that. And then, so I was hitting you just to tell you I dug the joint. You were like, "Yo." Come through. I'm like, for real? Yeah. <laughs> for real. I wasn't I wasn't fishing for the love. Uh, you know, oh. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do a lot of interviews. So. Oh, oh, I feel even more special. <laughs> I feel like, you know, kind of like Caspi trying. Like, well, my, my partners in my company are like, you have to get out there more. You have to be the face of this company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always, because I'm a longtime manager, You're I've always been stay in the back and don't mm-hmm. don't try to outshine your artist and you know, blah, blah, blah. I feel you. I feel you. That that's usually where I'm most comfortable. Like the, the logistics girl. The you know don't don't look over here. <laughs> but then I, I mean, still. I, actually, I, I gotta actually iron my shirt and clean off my glasses. You know, my wife said, make sure you. Luckily for that. us, no one can see that. <laughs> no one will because yeah. <laughs> Any hooser, thank you again, and thank you for the love. That was really really kind. Um, so first question: What do you do, and why do you do it? Such a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> what I do is I am a purveyor and pr- protector and curator and, you know, of all things Black and hip hop. So that's, that's ultimately what I do. I'm a content creator and uh, a storyteller. Is how I, because there's so many different kind of boxes that that fits into. Mm-hmm. So uh you know I, I'm, I'm a consultant and i'm you know i'm a ceo and i'm you know 
I'm a music supervisor, executive music producer, and this next project I'm doing, um, you know, executive producer of music. I have a record label. I have, you know, and so, it's, but you know, there was a, a time that I thought you're doing too much. And I didn't like the multi-hyphenate kind of, mm. you know, energy or polymath. I don't even, you know, I think it's all the same thing. Right. Because it all comes from the same muscle. I'm not a polymath. I don't think with more than one side of my brain, right? Like, so I'm, I'm a creative, ultimately. Right on. And everything I'm doing is based in, uh, in that space. And, and it's for the, for the uh, further, you know, the, the, the betterment of this culture right. that has raised me. So. Real. Real shit. Um, so how did you get started in the industry? Oh, uh, man. So I I grew up in the 80s. Um, and I was in high school. I went to Murray Bertram High School <laughs> for business career in Lower Manhattan. Right near Pace University where I went. Right near Pace University and you know, we used to call BMCC the 13th grade because it was like right there. Facts. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm from Staten Island, uh, born and raised. I came I up against you. <laughs> but I came up in a, a, a brilliant time in Staten Island. Uh, as hip hop was burgeoning, I came up with a crew called the Foursome C's mm. who ended up becoming the Foursome D's. Oh, wow. My, to, my best friends to this day, I even had a stint later on in managing them. But I came up with these guys who, um, at the time, we're talking 1982, mm-hmm. they were you know, going to Harlem World and going up to Bronx River and performing on the ferry. In the, mm-hmm. And I got to witness from a very young age, people becoming successful in entertainment up close. Not like, these are my boys. These are like my older brothers. Yeah. And so it wasn't something that was terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that was happening, um, I was taking a ferry boat back, you know, uh, with another cat who was going to Brooklyn Tech named Milk D from the audio too. Yeah. And, and Milk, also one of my best friends to this day, but this is right before he released Top Villain, right? So this uh-huh. is like, maybe he's 14, he released Top Villain at 16. And so we became wow. really good friends because we would talk about music on the ferry Mm-hmm. Uh, he had moved to, to Staten Island from Brooklyn to live mm-hmm. with his father on some furious style shit, you know, go live with father, <laughs> your man. Right. right. And, you know, he uh, ended up going to, uh, to Brooklyn Tech and we became really good friends around music. So I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. Same time, my sister's dear friend was dating a young actor, singer, who was in this new band called Living Color. Oh, shit. And... You know, and so used to, and my sister is what at the time was a hairdresser and she used to do his hair. And that's how I met Corey. And so wow. I have this rock, hip hop, yeah. soul trifecta around me. Yeah. And then I go to Bertram and, you know, a couple of years younger than me, a Q tip and Ali Shaheed. I'm in the same grade as Mike from the Jungle Brothers and Keanu Males. Wow. And, you know, and so I have like this. So that's how I got to be. I mean, I was surrounded by yeah. this. And I, I started in, uh, I started out when I was 10. I had a crew called the Flashback Crew. And I, was, I used to write rhymes and DJ. And I love it. Moved into these other groups. And I ended up, as I uh, was graduating high school, I was part of a, a, a group called The Look. And 
me and my partner Frost and I had another dude in the group. We put out a single, really bad single, <laughs> in a, probably in 85 or 86 or something like that. And then my partner Frost and I broke off and we started our own crew called Aftershock. And I ended up uh, getting a record deal with Virgin Records. I got signed to the family stand. Oh, wow. Production company. Sandra St. Victor was getting her hair done by my sister again. And uh, she heard the demo and took it to Peter Lord and Jeff Smith. And they, they uh, and they signed us and oh, produced wow. our demo and got us a record deal with Virgin Records. And so that's how I got into, into the game professionally. But I feel like I've been in the game since I'm young, young. I've been in, yeah. in a creative space. Um, and then, you know, I did uh, two albums with Aftershock. We were very highly touted, didn't really blow up, mm-hmm. didn't get a gold record. Um, and as, as that record was blown up, a song called, a song and an album called Slave to the Vibe, I, uh, I was, I also started to manage mm-hmm. and, and I, I, one part of the story is that Milk's father, Nat Robinson was then my manager mm-hmm. for Aftershock. So, you know, full circle, I got on, you know, I went to, I went back to the home team but kind of like really taught me that, you know, what a manager does as well. And there was a bunch, you know, there was a whole movement on Staten Island. Uh, There was this producer named RNS. One of my best friends, Wiggs, was managing RNS. So, yo, I could really use your help. Mm -hmm. RNS was growing up in Stapleton. Um, Prince Rakim was doing Ooh, We Love You, Rakim. You know what I'm saying? And uh, RNS was producing. UMCs were coming out. And so this whole movement was happening. And then uh, we RNS snatched up this kid Shaheen, who was mm. at the time twelve, and um, they asked me could I help them, you know, get a record deal. And I started shopping a deal, and we got him a record deal with Virgin Records, where I was signed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided in the middle of my second album coming out, we had did this long tour with Paul Abdul, and had a lot of beef on the tour. And then after oh, that, wow. you know, went to. Uh, I just I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to do the artist thing anymore. Yeah. And I got Shaheem a deal and, and I was off to the races and management and I quit the group. Oh wow. So that's that's that really would, the beginning. You would get worn out on the um on the artist tip because artists be getting the, that work. <laughs> I never thought I really never thought I was good enough. Which was probably a lot because I got a deal and I got time. Honestly, and you and I was I was I was I was a really I was a really good I I, I knew I was a good songwriter, and I knew I was a good uh, producer of music, not in in the traditions of, but you know I was able to executive produce. And yeah. I was a great idea man. I didn't think I had the. I was a rapper in the group. I didn't mm-hmm. think I you know I wasn't. Let me say this: I wasn't rock him. So in my mind, I wasn't. I and I always you. liked to be around greatness. And I always yeah. took the joke I have, you know, working with Pharaoh is that I would say Pharaoh retired me because mm-hmm. there was a song he had on his second album, the second Organized Confusion album mm-hmm. called Stress. Um, the name of the song was Stress. The album was called Stress, but the song was called The Extinction Level Agenda. Mm. And he had a verse on there and I listened to it and I'm like, I don't care how much practice, I don't care what, how much I immerse myself, I'll never be able to do that. And I decided that I want to support artists that do that. I want to support people at that level. I want to support, I want to be a champion. So with all this, uh, with all of the uh, experience I had in having a record, a major deal, touring and all of that, 
I wanted to bring that to people I thought were worthy of that level of attention and that level of uh, gravitas mm-hmm. that was, you know, so, 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 so talented because I'm such a fan of, you know, uh, high level, high level talent. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I hear that because a lot of times it's not the high level talent that's popping off. <laughs> and there's a reason. And there's a reason. And the reason is that hard work is way more valued than, mm. than just pure talent, right? So you say, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, mm. you know, it's, it's uh, people that are gifted are normally just not all there sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And they're usually terrified. That. It's funny, mm. I was just I'm reading the Will Smith book and he was like, he viewed himself as a coward the whole time. And the Will Smith persona is oh, wow. to hide the cowardice. The fear, people the are fear. terrified of this thing, of this wow. gift. And they don't often, and I still do it. You know, I'm still not writing enough. I'm still not doing enough. You know, so this is not a, yeah, it's, it's not a, hide. it's much easier to hide. Yeah. It's really, really a special thing when someone steps into their talent fully. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you get Beyonce. You know, that's when yeah. you get, you know, Michael Jackson. That's when you get Prince. You know what I mean? When people yeah. step in and embrace that, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, and not everybody likes it when you really, you know, get on your own shit, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. And you immediately are putting yourself up for judgment. Mm-hmm. People rather just sing, you know, in the shower, you know, or whatever. And then it's not an easy thing, you know. And it's it's it's, you know, because it's not an exact science. Some people would rather work at the post office. You know, I know what to yeah. do, and I know what time I get off, like and I know it. how much I, I'm gonna I get, get every it. week. Like I had that you know? feeling, like you yeah. know, do the job that you can do with your eyes closed, but yeah. you can do it backwards, upside down. It's easier to do than like stepping out on faith and, and like break, like taking a bet on yourself to absolutely things, you know. So and being on tour with Boys to Men and being on Ooh. tour with you know everybody from you know Tony 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 to mm-hmm. you know I, I just I just realized I didn't think that me I thought my partner in my group you know he was Bruno Mars before Bruno Mars he was bad 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 boy. <laughs> was a singing songwriting dancing mm. he was a beast and but he wouldn't do it without me mm. you know in the real non-bizarro world i should have just been his manager and, and you know uh-huh. right? yeah and he, i should have been yeah because he was he was that good he's still he's still a dear dear friend of mine and you know um yeah married my cousin so we're family you know so i, I you know, but uh and when when i stopped he stopped and he, when oh, i decided wow. i didn't want to do it anymore he was like go live my life you know he didn't he didn't he didn't love the business matter of fact he hated it so yeah that's another thing too you gotta at least like that shit because yeah yeah there's so much i love the business i have his talent but i did have a talent for this and the greatest talent was i i I cultivated relationships yeah very very, you know which is a major key that's the uh, the the key to all life yeah is relationships you know period how you deal with relationships how, how you maintain and mm-hmm. I have friends from the day I was born. I don't mm-hmm. lose friends. If you're not my friend, it's probably your fault. Yeah, same. I mean, because I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. And not for nothing, if it was if some I kind did, of... I, said, I, apologize. I mean, I'd own it if I did, but if, you know. I it if I did, I try to make it right because I value it. It's the most precious resource I have is relationships, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's something when I call. All right. I love That's that. It. I absolutely love that. So... What do you hope to achieve? Like, what does the final form for your career look like? 
There is no final form. I love that. I want to die in motion. Mm. You know, so I thought about this long because I'm, I'm at the age where it's people dying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in my 50s. I'm 53. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had a lot of contemporaries die, you know, um, you know, Combat Jack, you know, people that were just, you know, yeah, I managed yeah, Combat, you know, uh, mm-hmm. during that, you know, last uh, couple of years of his, of his life. And uh, really, really close friends, you know, my, my heart consistently broken. But what it also does is it gives you, you know, a sense of your own mortality, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I decided that there was, you know, two ways I can go, I can panic and say, oh my God, I gotta rush and do everything in one moment because I'm gonna die tomorrow. I, I could die tomorrow, right? Right. But the I could die tomorrow is true of anyone. True. At any age, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to live my life like I'm gonna live my life like I'm going to live until 110. Mm. So what do I wanna do for the next 57 years? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to change. Right. It's not the same thing because it's changed all along, right? So I joke with my wife and I partially joke and I say, you know, in my 70s, I'm going to become a civil rights attorney, <laughs> you know, because like, that's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm going to yeah. do, I'm going to work on everything I've ever wanted to do. And in the middle of when I finally go, you're going to be like, oh, he was working on that next thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he was already mm-hmm. in it, you know, he's was, he was on that next thing and that next thing and that next thing. He's on that next thing and that next thing. And I, I, I think if you do that, you know, first of all, I think the minute you stop dreaming or stop believing that you have another chapter, you start dying anyway. So I never want to be in a place where I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm not doing anything. I'm uh, my, my mother, man, I remember when she retired, she, did, she just didn't want to do anything. Mm. And I think it's because she worked 35 years at a job she didn't love. That'll do it. But then she just wanted to rest. Mm-hmm. But I love what I do. So I'm like, no, I want to do more. I want to find other things that I love. I want to continue to do what I love and continue to live this life abundantly. And, I and I've, I've been a, a late starter, right? So like I got married two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Right. So His wife is I a want, baddie, y'all, by the way. She's a baddie. <laughs> she's, so, she's so fine and, and, and she's so smart. But the main thing is she's the kindest person I've ever been with, you know? And I didn't know how much I needed kindness until I met her. I heard her voice. The first day I met her, she walked down. I said, hi. She, when she said hello back to me, mm. I went inside and I told my sister and I told my friend, I'm going to marry her. Oh, wow. I love and that. My friend, we had a mutual friend and my friend was like, you're not going to marry her. She has a boyfriend. I said, I'm not going to marry her tomorrow. Mm. I'm going to marry her. And in my mind, I was like, if I'm not going to marry her, I need to marry someone who made me feel like she just made me feel just by saying hello. Isn't that something? So, that into yeah, the she's, universe. She's, she's great. But, you know, so I just, you know, we just, we just getting started. So I can't, I can't be planning my death. Right. You know, still I'm going to do 30, 40 with her. Like I'm looking, you know, I want to be able to say this is our 40, you know, so that requires belief in longevity. Mm-hmm. It requires a plan of health, mm-hmm. you know, of course. And which, which, you know, you know, I, I'm on now and I'm, you know, like, okay, I have to prepare my, I can't just say I want to live to 110. I have to prepare to live that way. Because I want to live well to 110. I don't want to, I want to be able to walk and stand up. And, I hear you know, that. I and, hear and, that. And, and do, I don't want to be, you know, a burden. Mm. I want to, you know, and so you see people 
oh, that person's 85 and they're still lifting weights. Cool. I got to get on my game. And uh, I want to be, every day I want to be smarter than I was before, right? So I want to learn something new every single day. So that's what keeps you young and alive and fresh too. With Staying curious, you know, keeping that mind buzzing, finding out about new things, experiencing new things. It definitely- Meditating, praying, and- yeah, your business, drinking your water. <laughs> so that's the answer to what I want. I don't want a final form. Mm. What I want to happen in the near term, though, because I don't want to be facetious. I don't want to answer the question. Is that I want to, I want to uh, do what I've been doing. What I've done, in, in a, a manner of speaking, in my career has been very much about helping other people realize their vision, and in a lot of ways, not being properly compensated for it. So, mm. um, I want to be able to and this is what this new company is about relatively new company is uh, about um creating the content i want to see um being the client like i want my vision and my voice and the crew i'm with and i want our vision to be i want to treat it like somebody else came to me and said hey help me with this thing i want to do that you know with with our visions and the things we want to do and and nothing's off the table i'm not going to uh say what i won't do mm. you know because i'm gonna see what's i'm gonna see what comes up you know i want to be i want to be open and flexible mm-hmm. um right now we're, we're in the space of uh art you know we do a lot of things in the, in the uh, fine art space mm. we do a lot of things in uh you know the dj space we work with rich medina in the art space we work with sanford biggers mm-hmm. um but, uh, and then, you know, and of course I'm always in the music space and I'm really entering into the film space heavy. Well, mm-hmm. I should say the contact is not just film, it's television, it's, it's internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'm, oh, I'm always gonna be in music in, in some form or fashion. But, you know, I, you know, so somebody said, would you ever do a clothing line? I'm like, if it's the right situation, you know, like Jay-Z said, somebody would have told him to hold for sell clothing out of mm-hmm. his right mind, you know? <laughs> not, I, I can't say no. I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna say no. I'm, what I will say is that I no longer want to be ever again. I know I don't want to be a day to day manager for anyone. You know, mm-hmm. I used to joke and say uh, I only manage people named Justin. So you know, Just Blaze, <laughs> Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake. You know, <laughs> so I need a Justin's come around maybe. But, you know, you Rihanna and Beyonce maybe, but you know, I, I don't want to you know, be a day to day manager anymore because I don't think organization and um minutia are not my strong suits okay but vision do i'm a you know the i'm like i'm a big you know big picture here's how we do it blah, 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 and then send people off to go achieve that so you know I love that. so i can pretty much say i don't want to do that anymore and that's good that you know that and you acknowledge that because some people yeah. keep trying to do all the things including the things that they're not very good at and then yeah. someone has to come up behind them and clean that mess up <laughs> you know when you care you can be a good manager even if you're not good at those things because if you care enough you'll make you'll be good enough at those things and you're good mm-hmm. at the things you do the problem with it is that then my life is a mess because mm-hmm. i'm not good at my life and i'm so busy trying to make sure your bills are paid right that i haven't paid i miss my payments right and so i can't and you know and the best thing listen the best thing for figuring that kind of part of your life out for me, has been marriage. It's just being having an accountability partner, somebody I'm like, 
I can't mess this up because. Well, you know, men with wives usually do really well in their. Listen, I, their I never understood it until I got married. I'm here to testify. <laughs> Get you a partner that you care enough about that you won't fuck it up. <laughs> you know, that you won't fuck up your push you and get and get in your ass if you ain't getting it together the way you should yeah. with love, that of you, course. <laughs> you won't that you won't fuck up your life, right? So well, my nephew was over here uh not too long. My nephew was 29 or 30 years old. And uh before we you know we watch the TV and everything, we were we, we watching Doom. So we watch Doom because I got a, a projector screen down here. So we, we we're not going to IMAX because we're still dealing with this COVID thing, but we're gonna watch it here. And I got the Sono set up, and we're gonna make it feel like the movies. And so we were done, and you know it was late, so he was staying here. And it was just me and him, and uh, so he was getting ready to knock out. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm going to do the dishes. And he said, you should do them tomorrow. I said, nah, I don't go to bed with, with the you know with the dishes. And he's like, what's that about? I'm like, yo, man, I wouldn't do the you know I would I was very much like do the dishes when I get to them. But my wife would never go to bed without doing the dishes. And she would never ask me to do them. She would just go do them. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I started feeling guilty. And I started doing them. And uh, one day she asked, she said, I said, why are you doing this? She said, you know, I just want to wake up at, in peace. I want to wake up in peace. I want to wake up and I want to be able to eat. I want to be able to do everything. She said, you don't think this way because you haven't worked a nine to five in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so she said, I get up and have to go to work. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to get up, have to do dishes to eat. Like do labor before I go do labor. Yeah. And I said, so because I care about her, I started doing it. Mm-hmm. I started doing it like, don't you do this anymore. I got this. I can do this because I can stay up as long as, I, you know. But then as I do it, when I wake up, I feel so much better. And once I get it, you know. I'm yeah, like, it's like I moving clutter. Like it's like when you, you, you're living in a pile of clutter, your mind isn't clear until you get that clutter out of your shit. It's such it's such it's such a clarity, and and so it's it's been a it's been a great benefit, you know, uh, having a a partner who is kind, mm-hmm. who doesn't beat me up because I don't do these things, just shows me, right, and I get it, right. And so, yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's <laughs> educated. question, by the way. You did, you did, you <laughs> okay. more than did. Okay. Okay. So my next question is, what advice would you give to someone who is interested in doing what you do? What do I do? I mean, you know, <laughs> what my my advice to people in general is, um, figure out what you're passionate about and work at it like you work for somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the work is the part, right? So it's 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 this is we all have these magical thoughts in these moments. You had a thought about a podcast and, you know, and so you said, I want to do a podcast. And so, you know, how many people these days are thinking about doing a podcast? Of course, everyone, everyone that talks and people say, oh, I like to hear you talk and you got great. <laughs> You're funny. You should do a podcast, right? So That's literally how this happened, by the way, <laughs> everybody has the same thought. But only the few do it. True. And then only the few do it well. Right. And but more than that, no matter how good you do it, if you don't do it every week or every month or whatever your projection is, Mm -hmm. and you don't do it for a sustained period of time, it's not real. It's you know, it's not real until it becomes real. The work is the point, no matter how good you are, Mm. no matter how much talent, no matter how much, you know, I don't care how well you shoot, you know, you have to 
you have to do the work. So find what you're passionate about and work really, really hard at it is, is the advice. And copy everyone you think is great. You know, just find <laughs> the people you think are great. That's real. And until you find your own voice in whatever right. it is. Jump out on your own. It's true. There's always somebody that you can use as your marker. I, there's so many talented podcast cats out here that I know I ripped off. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's always it's going to be in your voice anyway, so it's not going to be the same. You don't have what they have. So you right. can copy the, the format or you can copy the, oh, you know what? That's a great question. That's a great way. You just right. you say you're on your, on your lips and shit, right? But Lipton wouldn't ask these questions. He just said, you know. He'd ask you what your favorite cuss word was. (laughs) Like, so there are, there are, uh, you gotta, I'm a big fan of uh, biographies, autobiographies, Mm -hmm. you know, biographies. I I love, and it's always, you know, what I know is always the same story. There's always like the thought and then trial and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the fall and then the rise back up. And 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 I love that that story Mm -hmm. works every time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love master classes, you know. Mm. I was, you know, I love watching people talk about process mm-hmm. and talk about what you know got them there because I'm super, super inspired um by that, by process and by what was the hurdle and how much we are alike and how much so I'm reading Will Smith's bio and I'm like, man, I'm I'm just like that. I'm I know exactly. I can't believe Will Smith has the same fears I have. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the guy that's killing aliens and you know, has the first rap brand, right. right? So this is the guy right. is like one of, my, one of my heroes, you know. I'm probably most aligned if 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 if, if Jay-Z, Will Smith, and LL Cool J had a baby, it'd be me, <laughs> right? So in terms of like the age I am, the era I come from, mm-hmm. you know, uh the people who's and ironically all, all three are married, um in in, in long-term relationships, mm-hmm. all three, you know, are 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 funny and they have they, 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 everything they do seems to be relationship based, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you know I'm, I'm following. It. And they all they all have been able to achieve this the highest level of success while never abandoning abandoning hip hop. That is a fact. That and also they all they've all they've all taken hip hop further than absolutely. Than most, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, you know, shout to uh, Latifah. I was going to say Latifah. You know, because I came up with them. You know, and, okay. and, and to see. To see what this culture has been able to do is, mm-hmm. is, is one of the most amazing things. And not yeah. for the people that are the flashes and go away, but the people that have staying power, mm-hmm. but also grew the brand and grew the situation. And moved it forward. Because the funny thing, I remember great. like when hip hop first came on my radar, you know, I'm from the South Bronx originally. So like, I just thought of it, the South, South Bronx. Um, it was... As far as I was concerned, it was regional music. I didn't know anybody else was listening to it but us. That's how I saw it. That's the thing about me. I didn't care. I didn't care who else was. I, I wasn't one of these people that wanted anybody else to listen. I, well, thought, I thought it was, was just for us. I could give a shit about everybody else. It, it, it was so precious to me. <laughs> Absolutely. That I was like, I hope nobody else, I hope it doesn't get diluted in that in That, that was sense, my you know? thought, too. I loved it. It was just. I didn't care if anybody understood sure. why. I wore these glasses, right? I didn't think, I didn't care if you understood because the people that needed to understand, you understood the minute you saw me on it, right? You like them glasses is fresh and you knew why. And so, (laughs) ironically, I was on a, Force and Thieves have a a morning show they do on uh, like Facebook Live or something, right? So every once in a while I go on with them Uh because he's my boy. And they brought me on because uh, uh, they were interviewing DMC. They wanted me to interview DMC with them. 
Oh, wow. The MC goes on and he says, do you know what glasses you're wearing? He said, I know people think they're gazelles. Tell me what you're wearing. I said, they're ultra goliaths. And he says, exactly. <laughs> people don't know that. I said, and I wear them in honor of you. It's the reason I wear these glasses oh, wow. because DMC. I said, I wear this. This is my run DMC tribute. Right. To DMCs, I wear Ultra Goliaths. And uh, I don't wear gazelles. I wear Ultra Goliaths because DMC wore Ultra Goliaths. I love it. I so love that. that's hip hop to me. That's to me, that's that's the essence of hip hop. Right. Yeah. And it's it's uh I have a reverence for people that I can still touch. Yeah. I still have, I still revere them, you know, and yeah. I still revere the culture that raised me and still is raising me to this day mm-hmm. and has given me, you know. Every time I go, I've traveled the world seven, eight times, right? I've been, you know, every time I touch down in Australia, whatever, I was like, look what hip hop has done. Mm. Look what hip hop has done for me. Mm-hmm. I've gone further than my parents mm. have ever gone. Mm. I've gone further than most of the people I know, mm. all because I'm part of this culture. Isn't that something? That's an amazing thing. And it so. was just, you know, Cedric Ave, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, Filling at the jams. It was just an idea. And an idea that people kept building on. And we started to copy. And then we make, brought our voice to it. And everybody brought their voice. And everybody got, got their regional voices up. And everybody got, you know, it's, you know, wow. The reason I have love for the rest of the country in hip hop is because I'm from Staten Island. And Staten Island was treated like we might as well have been in Atlanta. You, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, <so laughs> I was always open to the Philly cats and the Jersey cats. And I was always open to, you know, what other regions were doing. Then I was also fortunate that, you know, I would travel with Milk and Giz and I would travel with Force and D's. And I was able to see it. I I was aware of Too Short or Cypress Hill or E-40, Mm -hmm. Scarface. You know, when when cats in my hood had no idea. That's right. Had no idea who they were. I was aware of them. And I understood that the power of this thing was greater than, and then, you know, one of my best friends in the world is April Walker from Walker West. I was there getting an intersection of her becoming a fashion icon. The first, you know, album cover she ever did as a stylist was Milk and Giz's second album. You know what I mean? I was there when they when they got the stuff made. And, and so, you know, I've been like on some Forrest Gump shit for a while in this culture. So <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, the 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 story. It, when are you writing your story? Because this or making a documentary? Because this sounds amazing. I, this I, is uh, I'm definitely on that book. I, I and when I say I, I'm not always doing what I I'm not always taking my own advice. That's that's probably what it is. I should be writing more. Yeah. I do write. I I, I write well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see I, some I of your medium posts. Yes, you do. I, I could be better if I did more consistent uh, consistent writing and. I am trying to commit to writing every day. Good. And ultimately I do want to write a, uh, a, I would love to write a book. Uh, I want to write um, screenplays. I want to direct documentaries. Mm. And uh, yeah, so those are the things that are on my next to-do list. Yes, please and thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of my form of what my, my, my next level of my career is going to be very much into me creating the content as well. Yeah. But also running this company and running it well and closing deals. We're get we're in, like I said, we're in the art space. We just got offers to be kind of in a political space around, you know, helping campaigns because we do a lot of stuff in the technology uh, field and virtual space. So, you know, I'm trying to, uh, the story, to be all that. You just got to keep that story going. It's going to be epic. Keep the story. Keep the story. Keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. You're going to have to write a couple of volumes, it sounds like to me. 
I would love that. You know, I would love that on oh, my Gordon Park shit. It's like, you know. Yes, that's what I'm talking every, about. Every decade. Like Renaissance, like just a fresh new tome yeah. for us to like. What are we doing up. next? Yeah, what are we doing next? Let's go. Let's go. Let's you know, it. and the people that know you from this don't even realize what you did back then, you know? So, right. That's I, love I love that though. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All righty. So my fifth question is, what is the worst job you've ever had? Worst job I ever had. So I only really had maybe three jobs in my life that I actually were, you know, punch a clock job. Um, so I was a customer service rep at Municipal Credit Union. Oh boy. I quit that when I was 20. And that's the last that when I quit that job, I said I'll never work for anybody again. So, but before that, I went to Bertram and I took computer science and I was a key punch operator when I graduated high school. So I uh and that was <laughs> terrible. The kids don't even know what the key punch is. The thing about it, <laughs> they're like, what's a key punch? Don't Google that. <laughs> don't Google it. The thing, the thing about it was uh, you know. Uh, Bertram, you couldn't graduate unless you could type. Mm. You had to type at least 35 words a minute mm-hmm. to graduate if you if you could, which, you know, I didn't think I would have any use for, but then computers came along. It was like, oh, See, I can type so well. Computers like, rolled out. <laughs> yeah, my boys are always like, damn, you, you type so well. I'm like, I went to Bertram, man. You can't, can't graduate from Bertram. <laughs> hey. um, but yeah, so key punch operator, and it was in a lot, you know, this factory style building and warehouse, and it was hundreds and hundreds of people, and it was just, and it was just the most tedious. It was hell to me, mm, you know, in terms of like for a creative and for somebody that wanted to be in this world to be sitting at a key punch machine. It's not even a computer screen, right? You, yeah. It's cards. You're punching in oh. data. It was, you know, I think I did that for about three weeks before I quit. And I ended up going selling hot dogs at the, uh, <laughs> at the Statue of Liberty or something and uh, on, on a circle line, which I did for about two weeks. Fabulous. And then I was just like, all right. I was doing that while I was making my demo. And I was like, you oh, know what? wow. Yeah, I, I could see how you'd quit that job too. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, this, man. This is, that's a lot of people. This, it was like, this is beneath me. You know, I am. How dare you, sir? I'm going to be a rock star. This, you know is, this is trash, you rabble. <laughs> Wasting my time. And my boy, God rest his dead, my boy to the beat was like, he loved working at the statue and he loved working on the circle line because he loved people and he loved interacting with people. And mm-hmm. He used to work on all over there with Method Man. Mm. With Method Man, that was that era. And uh, they loved, you know, doing this job and I was like it's the worst job ever I, it sounds like I don't even want it to me <laughs> I don't like people that much no oh, that terrible. sounds like absolute trash that's what it sounds yeah. like <laughs> those are the worst jobs I mean you know and and it's uh I've had bad times in in situations uh but none of it feels like a poor decision it just feels like I have to adjust you know, what this thing is, you know, uh, when I was a consultant at Sony, that was a strange thing. It was good times, but it was also a very strange thing. But I learned so much. I learned a lot about what I don't want to do. And I learned a lot about why, why the business shifted and, and you know, the amount of waste and, you know, that goes on in these spaces. That's what I learned working in corporate where I was listening. Yeah. This, I can understand why people just jump in front of trains because but I also understand what I really got to understand is that I don't have the power to change that. 
You know, I thought I could go into Sony and change the culture from the inside. And, you know, change the culture for, you know, and then you get in, it's like, I'm often what people I imagine realize when they get into government, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you get in it and this thing has been rocking this way for the longest and you, you can't really affect, it's you could affect small changes. Yeah. You know, you can affect, you know, but at that time, and we're talking 2006, 2007, it was, I knew where this was all going. I knew, I was like, you, you guys don't realize what y'all doing is over already. Mm-hmm. And we, we have more of an opportunity to affect change in a smaller, concise fashion. And so how I started working with Pharaoh was I tried to sign him when I was at Sony mm-hmm. and he went in a different direction. But when I, we all, you know, everybody got fired from Sony a year later when his album came out, I was like, okay, they paid me out. I got a bunch of money, nothing to do what you doing? You're going on tour. I'm going on tour with you. And I went on tour and I saw, and so at that point he was signed to universal SRC universal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you need to leave universal and start your own label mm. because first of all, universal is not going to ever give you that check again. And also the success that you had independent. So let's say when he was on universal, he sold 110,000 records of the Desire album. Mm-hmm. And it, it was an abject failure to them. Mm. I said, they didn't even do anything for you. You sold 110,000 records and they're telling you you failed. And you don't even own the master and you're only getting 18%. Mm. I said, imagine you had your own label and you sold the exact amount of records. You'd be platinum in your mind. You'd be w- wealthy. You know, you'd make, you'd make a bunch of money and you'd be the king of this thing, this place you're in. Your but shit. if you sold half, you still be if you sold a quarter, you still be better than you are now. And on top of all that, you would own your catalog. That's right. So at the time, you know, it was a little bit of a sell. And I said, but you know, it's just a thought because he was like, you should manage me. I said, I'm not interested in managing you. You want to start a company? Let's start a company and put your product out. So then, of course, Universal calls him in. It was like, we can't pick up your option for that amount of money, but maybe we can do something less. And I was like, cool, let's do something less. Let's do half of what you owe us but you got to give us half the master ownership. And they're like, oh, no, we can't do that. Mm. We're going to go and start our own thing. And he's had wild success independently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he don't have to go work at a hot dog stand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and he jobs or anything like that. So that's and, dope. He, owns, and, and he owns his catalog, you know? And that's, and that's, that's it. That's right the there. value. You actually have something tangible. That's it. You know? That's it. You know, some some something crazy in the world happens, and all of a sudden, this song off, off this obscure album becomes the thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody gets your shit on TikTok, and that's it. That's you it. own it. I had a song I did on my second album that maybe five years ago. Uh, you know the movie Bridget Jones Diary. Yeah, there's a, a, a follow up called Bridget Jones Baby. Yeah, and so they wanted to do the song. They remade my song for that movie. Get out of here. 25 years later right so and they sampled it and they used the song and everything and i got publishing and my check started coming in crazy nice. for some shit i did you know that was on the sliver soundtrack oh in wow so you know it just wow. gives you, you know yeah I, I own my publishing so here we go right there wasn't no question of whether or not you was going to get a check 
Right. Which is why, you know, I get I get it. I know that, you know, going out on your own isn't for everybody, but I understand as someone who's done it, I get it. I understand why you'd want to do it because I feel now like one, I'm less stressed than I was when I was working in corporate. I'm happier than yes. I was. I well, no, I still I still booze it up, but not like in despair boozing like I was doing it before. <laughs> you, you are you are you are a, a joyful drinker now. <laughs> Not a drink that gets you through. It's a celebration now. Um, it's a celebration, right? <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the energy's different. It's your shit. Who 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 gonna check me? Who gonna who check gonna, me? Who you gonna call my hey. boss? My boss is me. What's the problem? My boss is me. I'm the boss. I'm the CEO. Up? And yeah, it's also it's like so. I understand the concept of working a job you don't really care about. Mm-hmm just to get money so you can do the things that you care about, right? So it's just right. a money thing. I also understand working a job that you do care about, but you don't have the wherewithal to start your own business. And I'm not Dane Dash. I don't think everybody, right. this shit ain't for everybody. It you know is. what I mean? It's really not. And it is way more helpful that my spouse does have a job. So I got good health care, right? <laughs> so it is, it is where my, my goal out, when I, my next goal for success is when she as she says when you gonna make me a stay-at-home wife <laughs> and I said, i'm working on a baby i'm working right. on it. i don't know right. i achieved something when a lady when of leisure quit. as she deserves because <laughs> she said notice i didn't say housewife because i don't want you know mm-hmm. i'm not i ain't trying to cook dinner every night mm-hmm. i just want to be a stay-at-home wife <laughs> so, which I she's be at the because, crib <laughs> she'll be home she'll be home for three weeks and then she'll be like okay i gotta do something I get but, but yeah so it's it's um it's not for everybody. I don't think that most, I'm glad it's not for everybody because I wouldn't have anybody, you know, that worked in the places I need them. But, (laughs) but, but, uh, I have, for me, it was, it was a peace of mind and it was, it's it's like leasing a car. It allows me to flip into the next thing when I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? It allows me to decide. You're not married to that thing. You're always able to move and pick up and move. I can shift it the way I do as I see fit. And I've been, you know, successful enough to, to continue to do it. You know, Amen. like I said, if the bottom fell out, I'd be, you know, stocking shelves on Amazon tomorrow, but you know, <laughs> you do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna starve or be homeless. You know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work, but I've been, I've been successful. I've been, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, really, really nicely for my entire career. I've been, you know, middle to upper middle class for my entire career. So it's, it's been good. I, go, I, can, I can go on vacation. I can, you know what I'm saying? Jump out on their own and find out that they are in deep waters. <laughs> I've, been able to, I've been able to do well. You know, I'm not rich. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I'm come. good money. Soon I'm come. Money. <laughs> you know? Right on. So of course, my last question is, what is the best job you've ever had? best job is what I'm doing, you know, and and the reason that this schematics is the best job I've ever had because it's whatever I make it, you know, and it's the first time I've had this thought. So this is not, I don't want to act like I've been so progressive my entire career. I would not do certain things because that's not what a manager does, or that's not what a, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be seen as being in conflict and I didn't, I wasn't able to view uh, all of these things as, as coming from the same creative source you know mm-hmm. and so 2020 i create schematics mm-hmm. uh so to give you a quick story schematics was a collective that i had 
with uh, Selwyn Hines and Mark Hines and Sheena Lester, John back in um, 2001. They were all, there was a group of people, Ola Kudu, there was a group of people that um, did 360hiphop.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when, when 360 got sold to BT, we, they all went on their own and I was one of them. I didn't work at 360, but I hung out there. Mm-hmm. And then we all kind of started this schematics thing, which, you know, ended up, we we did like Brand Jordan Magazine, like mm-hmm. we did the, the graphic design and the editorial for Brand Jordan Magazine. And mm-hmm. there was a couple other things we did. And then everybody got jobs because everybody was really dope and everybody wasn't really committed to this this uh, this vision. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I had a company called War Media with Farrell's partnership, LLC. And we put out records and stuff, but it never became the media company that I wanted it to be. Mm. I named it War Media because I didn't want it to just be the manager for Farrell Lounge or the record label. You know, I wanted it to be multimedia and I never got to do that. And so, you know, I changed my relationship with Farrell where I consult, I executive produce the records, but I'm no longer the day-to-day person and I need to go find my own, uh, my own way. And so beginning of 2020, I start schematics, you know, coming right off of Sundance. Mm-hmm. You know, I did 40-year-old version. Mm-hmm. Which uh, was everything, which is, by the way, the music, everything. Phenomenal. Oh, thank you so much. So what, good. what was beautiful about that was that was one of those moments of, you know, on some Shonda Rhimes year or yes shit. You know, it was just yeah. like, yeah. Rada came to me. We were in uh, Harlem and went out to brunch and she was like, hey, I want you to about music supervisor. You know, we have been talking for a while about the project. I thought it was mm-hmm. dope. She said, I want you to be the music supervisor. I got funding and I want you to be the music supervisor. And I was like, yo, I've never done that before. And she said, uh, I've never directed before either. So, you know, let's go do this thing together. You have the energy that I need around this. And it was the same summer I was getting married. And, you know, she started shooting. I got married on August 4th. She started shooting on the 5th. Oh, shit. On the 5th, the day after my wedding, I was in the studio doing the Harlem Ave song. Oh wow! Before I got on the plane to go to my honeymoon, so nice. you know, like literally, 11, we got back to New York at eleven o'clock at night. I lived, I lived in Harlem. I went over to my man Luke Mon's crib. We worked on a song for two hours, got it right, cool. Came back at seven o'clock. I was on a flight to Cayman Islands for my one. So and then we got back. Yeah, got back. We worked on the film. So now. I'm in Sundance and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the energy. This is, you know, and what I, what I realized about Sundance and about film people is they're mad corny. I said, yo, these people are so <laughs> corny. Like I understand why people with flavor come in here and take over this shit, man. This is like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody is generally swagless. <laughs> generally swagless until you get to the black house and then with black folks are, it's like, oh, there you here's go. where the swagger is, right? So understanding that and embracing that, it was like, mm-hmm. oh man, it's just, I need to be, this is the world I want to be in. This is one of the worlds I want to be in. I really yeah. had a great time out there. And um, so I come back and I start the schematics company and I start to figure out what that means. And I started to figure out what I wanted to pitch and what I wanted to do. Bam, March, pandemic hits. Everything freezes up. I had done some things that were serendipitous in terms of like, uh, I made a deal to consult a, a distributor. So I had money coming in. All my tours, I was doing, I had too many tours lined up. You know, Pharaoh tours. I was working with Living Color mm. for, for their 30th, uh, 30th anniversary of the second album. I was setting up a whole festival run for the summer. All my income, mm. out of here. 
but I had set some things up, so it kept me running. Yeah. Flash. Meanwhile, my boy Mark Hines was one of one of the people in the original schematics, and his boy Eddie Gadgetar started to see that this pandemic was real, and they started to find solutions around in the virtual space. Mm -hmm. you know, virtual live events we started they started coming up with these solutions and i you know because they my boys i was always like yo this is dope you know what's, what's going on and they got to the point where they were at the verge of cutting a couple of really big deals couldn't get them closed mm -hmm. called me up say yo could you come help us close these deals so i came and did my one two got the deals closed got everybody okay. paid got myself some money nice. and they was like yo man you're just what we need in this company why don't we uh you know, why don't you come in and run it for us? And I'm like, I just got out of a part. I ain't trying to be in no partnership. I want to, and y'all are tech, I'm, you know, media. And he, and so my man Mark sat me there. He said, first of all, what media company do you know now that's not also tech? That's true. Okay. He said, so if you're going to be a media company, you better have a tech component to it. Secondly, let us show you what we could do for you. Tell us what you want to work on. And I wanted to work on a, a doc for, for, for a classic MC. I don't want to say it because I didn't get it. Oh, and they did, they did this really beautiful deck for me. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And this idea that had been in my head for three years, maybe four years, they did it for me in two weeks. Wow. And I was able to present it to the, and the, and the person was blown away. They had already done a deal with someone else, but they were like, yo, your presentation was amazing. Oh. And so they're like, that's what you have when you got a tech, a crew of tech folks around you. Sure. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so he said, how about this guy? Because Schematics was our company anyway. How about you acquire our companies? You know, and we'll be your partners. It'll still be Schematics. And we'll be, you know, collectively we'll be able to support each other in the ways that need to be supported. You're not a organizational tech you know technologically savvy dude we are you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you'll have a coo that could be able to do all the minutia and all the stuff that you don't want to do mm -hmm. you'll have me on all the tech and all the media side and you are the deal maker and the visionary that you all already are now you have a support team Dope. and it just made sense and so to have that and then it's been gangbusters so we did that and then going into 21 you know we just were closing deals and we did, we did a, in, in 21, we did a, a, why am I blanking on the name of it? It's a festival that NYU does every year. We did, we did a festival for them virtually. We did stuff with National Education Association. We did that. We're working on a project with the Chasing Museum, the Sanford Biggers. We did the Oracle stuff with Sanford Biggers that was in Rockefeller Center. Oh, you know, beautiful. Just, just yeah. and on, on the music side, I released the Mickey Fax Blue album with Knots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, we just, just, you know, it's going, it's going and it's working. And uh, obviously 40 old version got released mm -hmm. um, and uh, in 2020, and that was a big deal for me and, uh, and, and for us. And then I've been, you know, I've been so busy in this other stuff. I, I haven't been able to really get back into the uh, supervisor space, but I did just get offered and, you know, my deal is almost done for, to, to be a, uh, executive music producer for a Hulu series called Washington Black. Oh, that, uh, the Sterling the, Brown thing. Sterling K. Brown, K. Yes, Brown at, yeah. Uh, and um, someone say from Hans. Yeah. So, uh, Who's an old favorite of mine from the Vibe days. Yes, and this, 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 
this is my brother for real. But uh, you know, they wanted me initially to be the music supervisor, but you realize they wanted me to be uh more deeper into the project and you know be on set and do other things. So they were changing the title, I believe, to executive music producer. And Fantastic. As a way to get me some more bread, hopefully. I know that's right. And, uh, money. So, so with, <laughs> I feel comfortable enough to say that that's the next thing I'll be working on in that space. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of good stuff. We got a new project we're working on with NEA and um, we're doing stuff with, 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 you know, looking at a lot of stuff. I'm in Baltimore now. And so we're looking at a lot of stuff down here in Baltimore. Okay. As well, um, in Baltimore, I have a collective of people that, uh, really, really brilliant filmmakers uh, who moved here. Part of the reason I, I moved here hmm. was that, you know, uh, Terrence Nance um, mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. here, Sean Peters, cinematographer, Bradford Young, all within walking distance of each other. At least look ahead. Uh, Ryder Blank has a crib down here, you know, Toronto Brooks down here. So mm-hmm. we have a collective and we're, we're, we're trying to uh, buy a building um, to create a soundstage and, and uh, an entertainment facility for you know to, for films and, and and music, and uh, we call it Lala Bella, and we're working on it. And you know, knock on wood, we'll be able to you know get that done at, in, in the top of the year. It's amazing. And then you know we have to build it out, and so it'll be some time. But we're trying to make uh, Baltimore a hub. Yeah. For uh, for the creative space. Yeah. So you know, there, we're, we're, I love that. I, I can't yeah. wait to see all of yeah. what comes out of it. Yeah. So it's. That's, that's a heavy lot. set of folks up in there. That's not like no slouches. No, it's amazing because like literally after this, I got to go water Sean Peter's plants. He's on, <laughs> a, he's on a job in, at a town. So. I love it. So, I love it. So, so we have well, that's community. Wonderful. I was able to walk into community. That's why it was easy for me to move here because yeah. my community was here and my wife is from here. So her oh. community is over here as well. Yeah. So we have, we have, um, it's like everything I, you know, I'm, I'm really, really excited about life. So yeah, I have the best job I ever had now, you know, uh, the best portion of my life is right now, you know, That's so the moment. So really, like really, really in a good space. Yeah, great. That is wonderful. I'm really looking forward to seeing what all comes out of it. I know it's all going to be amazing. Well, that was my final question. You made it to the end. <laughs> and then it wasn't three and a half hours, right? <laughs> no, it was not because I've done it accidentally. <laughs> and so I gotta try to keep my uh my answer precise and, and clear. And you did a great I job. I try I didn't I didn't bring a whiskey because I said, you know, it would have been extra. The only reason why I'm not drinking or smoking right now is because I'm I'm actually working still too. So yeah, and it's all yeah, it's 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 it's, it's you know. Early afternoon, as we're talking, we right. should have done this in the evening when we could have, where we could drink we properly and really prolong yeah, the shit talking. But you and I need to go have a proper, you know, a proper drink, sit down, and, and well, I have up. you come back, so no yeah. worries. We could get that next popping. time I'm in the city or something. We need to go hang. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, that's obviously Absolutely. long overdue. You know. <laughs> well, but this was so pleasure. great. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate. Thank it. you so much for having me and allowing me to, you know. Allowing the uh, the behind the scenes cats to have a little a little shine. I love that stuff though. That's my that's. I mean, if I was to be a creative, that would, what you do is probably what I would do. Like I'm yeah. more comfortable being the, the the back, you know, making the deals and like, you know, pressuring cats and <laughs> smiling. I need you to recognize that you are creative. You're doing you're doing 
Aww. this good work. So, you know, start referring to yourself in the affirmative, please. Yeah. Not if I I'm, were to be. I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. Um, you know, that's the thing too. Like, it's very easy for me to be like, "No, I'm on the outside looking in." I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah, that's that's you know the journalism kind of. Oh, you know, I'm not part of the story, but this is not that. You know what I mean? And so I'm absolutely not a journalist. Do not come to me <laughs> looking for news, y'all. Because <laughs> and you have an opinion, and so you know, you're not part. You're, it's not that you're, but you are the reason the story happened because, like I said. I don't, you know, I gotta, I gotta trust you and know you to want to talk to you about my life. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not, it's not necessary for me to do this to be successful. You right. know, it's not part of the gig like a, like a, like a famous person or artist is. Right. So I only want to do this when I'm gonna have fun and when, uh, when I feel like um, I'm gonna be safe. You know? Uh, yay! That's what I want. Yay! So that's that's I'm the real. Glad you know? that that is high praise. That is. That's yeah, all I want. Sure. People to come in, feel like they ain't gonna get got, come talk yeah. shit, you know, big up your chest, and then you know. Yeah, because you know, listen, I I I can't get in the fight. I can get into the oh, you want to fight? You know, I, I'm not, you know, but I I'm trying not to be that in my in my in my grown years, you know. Sure. It's a lot of be, energy. It's a lot of energy. Yeah, it's a lot of energy. And you know, for what? For to what end? I spent a lot of years on the internet fighting people. You know what I mean? Ooh, and it's just not, like not me. What? Not me, baby. I ain't get no check. I was just home. talking about that the other no, day. I ain't get no award. Yeah, that shit for free. Not me. They ain't get my my Zola movie. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nabi, you're not gonna see me fighting nobody on the internet. It's like, look what I look like, though. I, no, please. You know, no. proving I'm smarter than a, than a fifth grader. I mean, cats, you know, that's the whole thing, though. Like, if you get into that back and forth, can't nobody tell which one of y'all is a fool at that point, so. Absolutely, and it's, it's, uh, I'm crystal clear what I know. Mm -hmm. I'm also very clear about what I don't know, so I don't speak about what I don't know, or if I do speak about it, I ask questions, right? So I'm not, I'm not the dude that feels like I know it all, but what I know, right, yeah, yeah my face. That's the shit. brand, like, you know if, I, if I'm right, don't let me be right. Because if I'm wrong, yeah. I'll claim it. I'll be like, yep, you know what? Or if I don't know, I'll say it. I don't fucking know. Don't ask so me. I let I let people be wrong all the time. And that's 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 the thing is that I don't feel like I have to be the well the actually <laughs> the well actually police. Right. You know, I, I don't want to be a Karen in here. I don't want to be calling the manager. <laughs> and what I've done more in the in the social spaces is, is uh I've been falling back. You know, I've been falling back because uh, it, it can't consume you. And it's, yeah. it's, it, 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 now that we know that it's actually, you know, designed that way, you know, as, mm -hmm. as you know, to, to so make you stay on a the factory. That's the engagement. Doesn't matter how and they do that. You know, and so it was, you know, why they didn't want to take Trump's shit away because they like, right. oh, they, they love that shit. They was eating. This shit is money. money eating, money. boy. They had to, they had and to shut that shit off though, because that people got killed. Mm. Once they hit the body, started to hit the ground. Ah, the white body started hitting the ground, and they saw saying, "Oh, there you go, you know." There and you then they, they had to stop it, but they you know, getting but they out in the capital. Then now it's they time to shut to stop the thing that got it to that point, and that's right. so I've, I've been I've been falling back, and I've also been like I'm proud of myself, and like I didn't you know, watch the Kanye interview, right? Because I'm like, no. I just, no, I just can't. I never was going to. Hours. Just can't give you two hours of my life for this nonsense. You ain't getting that time back. Be angered at 
you know, somebody I'm already like, I've already written off. Like you right, already like, not. I've already forgotten you exist. Why am I going to give you any attention? Yeah, you can't get that from me. And I, I don't even want to have, I'm sorry, I haven't brought it up. I don't even want to have any, I don't want to give any air to it. Right. So I only wanted to use it as an example. It's like, yeah, I've yeah. been, you know, I've been like, okay, I'm going to actually read the 1619 project instead of watching this. I'm going to actually do something that's going to make me smarter. Right. Right. Then before I do, like keep watching, literally do dumber. anything else. <laughs> well, I'm doing stuff that makes me dumber. You know what right. I mean? That 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 brings me into this this the stupid the stupid place. That and today my today's revelation that we're gonna I'll end on this for you okay. was I woke up this morning feeling. Mm. And I said, let me go, you know, go meditate and pray. Let me try to get my shit right. Mm-hmm. And what came to me was, because I'm waiting on a couple of things, you know. And so there's a bunch of things that are not in my control in this moment. And I have a control freak thing, a Capricorn, you know. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and literally heard a voice that, look around. Is there anything you need to do that you can actually do? And I was like, shit, yeah. It's like, do everything you can do. Do everything that you have the power over. Mm. And I started doing that shit this morning. And the, the peace that came over me as I was just putting things in their proper place and I was mm-hmm. answering emails and I was doing all the things that I've been avoiding, mm-hmm. like doing the dishes at night, whatever. I was doing all the things. And it just, it gave me such peace. And immediately... While you're, I'm not waiting, the, one of the things I'm waiting on came in. You know, it was just like I was sitting there being tense, and I, I loosened up, and I got it together. So I am not waiting for the election results to come in anymore. I'm not right. waiting for you right. know right. to answer back on Twitter. I'm right. I'm I'm in motion. Right. I am in motion. I'm going to hmm. consistently be in motion, and I'm going to do the next thing, and I'm going to do the things that continue to bring me joy. That's and hopefully I can bring some joy to some other folks and hopefully document this culture in a way that's honorable. I hear that. And that, and that's a beautiful place to end. Yes. Um, thanks again for being on the show. And Thank obviously you. you've already talked about what you've been working on, but where can the people find you? Uh, I'm at Guy Rute on everything, you know. Um, we'll be launching the schematics uh, I have a schematics Twitter. It's schematics spelled S C H M T. Schematics without the vowels, and <laughs> underscore on Instagram. Uh, just schematics uh, on um, Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Facebook page, but we haven't. Uh, we haven't officially launched. Like they're there. You can go follow them. We haven't. We're not doing anything with them until January, mm-hmm. and uh, when we can start putting the, the things we're doing. But you can follow me personally, guy R O U T T E, at uh, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, whatever, you know. And that's that. Um, and that's that. And that's it. Thank you so, so, so much for doing this. This is so wonderful. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'll absolutely. talk to you soon. Absolutely. Let's, let's do better. And that was my discussion with Guy Rute, who is so amazing. And I like completely enjoyed that conversation. And I hope you guys did because, as always, you know I did. So, Let's get in to these key takeaways. Key takeaway, really one and only this week. Don't waste people's time. Like, no one's forcing you to do anything, B. Like, 
just don't waste people's time. And by this, I'm referring to um, people who you schedule shit with and they just be like, just not going to show up, suck my dick. I'm talking about, I've been on my recruitment shit for like the last two months and you know, you know, people, you know, you reach out to people, you'd be like, Ayo, we got this gig. You want to get in? La la la. Let's talk about your background. Let's chop it up about that. Blah, blah, blah. Schedule them, get your zoom link popping and you got the time ready. You sitting there like a dickhead. It's a different kind of feeling because at least you're in your soft pants where your business on top and party on the bottom and you're in your house so you could, you know, puff the life you want to or whatever. Anyway, while you wait, anyhow, my I made an appointment with this woman um for today and it was my first appointment of the day, so it set the tone. And old girl just ain't show up. Just no email, no call, no uh bitch suck my foot. Nah, I'm not interested no more. Please withdraw me from this whole thing. Please leave me out of this narrative. Nothing. Stugats. So I'm sitting there like a doodoo head waiting for this fucking Zoom to jump off. And, you know, after 10 minutes, I, I always give like 10 minutes, you know, because people be having tech problems or whatever. After 10 minutes, I figured it out. I hit up my assistant and was like, what's really good? Did you hear from her? And he was like, nope. And I was like, all right. So it was fine because I was tired anyway. And I wanted to get breakfast and, you know, do other things. But the whole thing of it is, is like, yo, we all got shit to do. You know what I mean? Like, if you schedule some time that someone carved out for you to do something, you should probably show up. Like, if you're not interested, especially when it comes to some job shit, because I know everybody's on their revolution shit right now and I'm with it. But like, bitch, it, no one's forcing you to do anything. No one is asking that you give us a pint of blood. You could just be like, you know what? I'm not interested no more. I'm just going to go off and be somewhat unemployed or, or whatever people are into these days. But here's the real gag. The bitch is in HR like me. And it's like, hey, girl, this world is tiny. And I do remember your name. So, like, if you show up anywhere else, guess what's going to happen? Right. Anyway, so don't waste people's time. And, yeah. And what else? What else? What else can I rant about this week? I don't think there's really anything else. I'm just tired of it being dark already. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, it happens every year. Why do you have to complain about it? Because I fucking want to. That's why. It feels like it's 4 o'clock in the fucking morning at like 3.30. I don't like that shit. I'm never going to like that shit. And I'm going to complain about it. And what you going to do? You ain't going to do shit. That's what you're going to do. Nothing. So I'm going to be out here complaining about the fact that I can't see my hand in front of my face while I'm sitting in my dining room. It's like you blink and your whole shit is dark. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> when did this happen? It's so It's so off-putting. And I felt like last year... I never got used to it. Like, when the sun started staying up, it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But, like, everything was just so dark in general last year. So it was just like, oh, it matches this whole aesthetic that we're living in right now. But, yeah, I mean, I don't like that shit. It's so weird. And, like, it just throws me every single time. It's so stupid. And F daylight savings time. And F this flippity flop with this time. F all of it. How about that? I'm just cranky. 
I'm tired and probably sleepy. So I'm going to wrap it up because I don't have anything else left to say. (laughs) Any hooser, as always, take care of yourself. Keep washing your hands. Keep washing your cloth masks, people. Um, Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And I will see you next week. <laughs>